welcome to another episode of the Live to Accomplish podcast with Nathan Shooter. To discover more insightful episodes, blogs, videos, and resources, visit nathanshooter.com. Hey there, I'm super excited that you've chosen to join me here on this episode of the Live to Accomplish podcast. I'm Nathan, and it's my mission to find really simple ways to create significant outcomes. And I really believe that achieving things doesn't necessarily have to be a big, convoluted, complex process. And today, we're going to be exploring and unpacking the idea of what it means to rest to be our best. It's a super fast-paced world that we live in. I don't think you would find anyone who would disagree with that. But what we need to do is sometimes remember to take time out to be able to rest and recharge. Because if we don't, if we don't rest, we can never really function at our best. So before we get into it, I want to encourage you to head over to Facebook as well to facebook.com forward slash Nathan Shooter blog. And from there, you'll find extra web videos that I produce. And also you'll find some links to some extra stuff that I may or may not also post over at the website, which is nathanshooter.com. And at the moment, in, um, in keeping with this theme of you know, creating rest and trying to get the best out of our holidays, I've um, given, us, given you rather an opportunity to win a customized printed phone cover for an iPhone or Samsung. And what I want you to do is this. I want you to head over to the Facebook page, find the post and comment on it and just tell us what do you do to keep your holiday brain once you get back into the office. I've teamed up with an Australian company called ipersonalize.com.au to be able to give away this to one of our lucky followers. And um, this is a really cool thing. I've got one for my iPhone 7 Plus and it's super high quality. And I've got my favorite photo from my flyover day trip to Antarctica. And every time I pick up my phone now, it's a really good mental trigger to just relax or to kind of maintain the wonder of that moment that I experienced over the South Pole. So I want to do that for you. And as part of the prize, you win free delivery to anywhere in the world. So it doesn't matter where you might be listening to this podcast. I want to include you in this because absolutely nobody on earth is immune from needing good rest and good mental triggers to remind themselves to relax while they're at work. Alrighty, so let's get into it and explore what it means to actually maximize our holidays and to get the rest that we need to be our best. Okay, so before we get into it, I just wanted to, I guess, share with you some of the ways that I kind of frame what it means to be on vacation. So on these podcasts and web videos and um, online things that I do with the blog, I never want you to assume that I'm not speaking out of experience. I only ever teach you things or share with you rather things that I'm either doing or absolutely clearly working on myself. So for me, getting used to the idea of being good at holidaying is a bit of a bizarre thing to be trying good at, but it's absolutely vital for me. I work for myself and have done for about 13 years now, and I can remember vividly times that my health has given way or, you know, my bank accounts in another way have kind of been a symptom of poor health. And if you were to backtrack, you can actually find a moment where you didn't holiday when you probably should have. We need to not live from symptom to symptom, but maybe be smart enough to be able to go, you know what, I'm going to create a more mature approach and actually schedule in moments of rest and we can sometimes feel guilty I don't know about you but maybe maybe it's just me but sometimes I can feel guilty about wanting to take time off but 
absolutely it's the opposite these days and I relish holidays but I guess because I frame them differently now and I'll explain I don't feel as guilty okay so context and um, some notes for you here so part one is resisting to separate holiday from work time so there seems to be a really deliberate you know sometimes rightly so a deliberate disconnect between our holiday time and our work time However, I think this is actually, in some ways, an unhelpful thing to do. Because if we create a really strong and almost oppositional kind of contrast between the two things, then they can become at like the dichotomy from each other, they can become two opposites. And that's not, not really great um, for, for any of us. So over the last couple of years, I've really taught myself to try and find a way that I can blend them together. And how? Like, that's an impossible question. Uh, many of us think, but actually it's, it's, it's kind of not like it's, I guess it's been, depends how you view it. So for me, I now view holiday time as a logical extension of my work time. So in essence, I see it this way. I see rest and work uh, occurring in a repeating cycle. So I don't look at holidays anymore as a reward. So before you throw your hands up in the air and argue and refute that it is an absolutely um, worthy reward for investing hard work. Yeah, that's true. But what I've done is taught myself to see it as a logical result of the other half of the cycle, and that is putting in time. So if we, you know, if we see holiday time as a reward, um, what it can inadvertently do is put then a very slight negative veneer on our work time. And for my for my own experience, that has been true. You know. It's not just a demand of adulthood to go and do a job and to be gainfully employed. I actually think it's a privilege. It's not a right by any stretch to have a job and to especially have a job that you absolutely love. It's not a right at all. It's a privilege. So for myself, going on a holiday is not a reward for an obligation I fulfilled. It's actually a logical step to be better at work. I must have rest. And if you work for somebody else as an employee, you'll find that a lot of organizations actually have mandated holiday time that they demand that employees take. Why? Because they know they're not going to get the best results out of their people if they're not rested. And that can lead to a whole heap of different things, you know, bad for the employee, bad for the business. And, you know, it's not good for creative thinking or innovation or energy, you know, even just even for relationships in the office. So there are plenty of really great compelling reasons why if you work for someone, you absolutely should take holidays. And if you work for yourself, you should absolutely demand holidays of yourself. But have a think about how you view holidays. Maybe it is a good thing for you to maybe explore the idea of not seeing vacation time as a reward. But honestly, just going through the process of thinking of it as a, as a logical extension of work and seeing it as like a left foot and a right foot in a, in a walk towards a life that ends up being, you know, 60, 70, 80 years, years on, that's the kind of cycle that's going to keep us sustained with a really good and positive vigor. Alrighty. And the other thing is this, we need to reclaim our work and rest flexibility. This is kind of maybe for some of us easier said than done. Like I get that. I understand. So if you take the case for the self-employed of us who are people who are running our businesses or at least um, have some kind of autonomy and, and freedom to make our own decisions at work. I thought about this. I thought, well, I mean, I very, very um, carefully safeguard my weekends, but 
I, I didn't always um, do that. And I thought to myself, I have one of two options here. I can either not work at all on weekends or I can work sometimes on weekends but then take off time during the week. So what I do is I don't do any work on the weekends and if my brother, Samuel, if you're listening, you know this, not even I work for my brother on the weekend. And But then if I do, I keep it flexible. So if on a weekend I have to check email or respond to a call, then I think to myself, then if I'm doing that on a weekend, then why shouldn't I go to a movie during the middle of the day on a weekday? You know, you cannot do one without the other because we have to make exchanges. And I 100% believe that if you're doing things on weekend, which are your sacred time, then you should absolutely expect an exchange to take place during the week. And for a lot of married couples and people with, with kids, and I absolutely um, can't say this out of experience of myself, but what I do know is I can appreciate this having friends who do have children is that we can sometimes fall into a trap of putting the inverted commas, it's a school night effect on the Monday to Friday. But I would argue that anyone with any kind of really flourishing relationships sees Monday to Friday as not only a work zone, but also time to balance that with some enjoyment and pleasure. So don't just fall yourself um, into the traps of routine and not thinking about how you ended up in the routines that we're in. Challenge your ideas. You know, things are the way they are because someone made them that way. Whether it's you or an external thing, is it's up to you. Okay, so we need to reclaim the flexibility of our work and rest time. Right, so now let's get into the tips and tactics for being our best, and that is maximizing our holiday time. So the Easter holidays are coming up. They're not right around the corner, but they are coming up pretty soon. And so what I want to do is give us some things that we can take note of in three sections to apply to our own lives in holiday time. So it is these three sections, before holidays, during, and after holidays. Pretty genius, yep. I know I'm pretty, pretty complicated guy, right? So let's get started in the first zone, which is before holidays. So these things that I'm giving you are all kind of, I guess, almost mental tactics for before, during, and after holidays. You're not going to find details in here like, you know, what pajamas to pack or what kind of shoes you should bring and that kind of thing. I'm talking about a mental approach to holiday. Okay, first zone, the first point, create buffer time. So when, let's just say you finish work on a Tuesday and you want to fly out to a particular place you're going to with your with your family or friends, maybe don't book your flights for the Wednesday. Create some buffer time because what that does is it allows your brain to shift gears. It allows some time for your brain to, I guess, change modes and also have a little bit of time in between. So you've just come from your fast-paced job that you're in and then it's a bit of a tall order to expect our minds to then suddenly switch as if it's some binary code of zeros and ones to head straight over to vacation time. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, I used to be able to do that, but then I realized I wasn't actually doing it because in the back of my mind, I was still perhaps in that transition period. So what I do now, and I would encourage all of us to do is if we do finish, say on a Tuesday, spend Wednesday, maybe at home, just relaxing or just decompressing and then maybe fly or drive a few days afterwards. 
and that's handy. It gets you time to organize things around the house and the more practical um, things, but then it does let your brain to shift gears with the time that it needs. All right, number two, wrap up without overloading. So no doubt you're a really diligent person and you really want to improve every area of your life and chances are that's why you're listening to this podcast and following the blog. So in keeping with your diligence, we can sometimes almost be too diligent and we can end up overloading ourselves. So in an effort to try and wrap up and to tie all loose ends up before we go on holidays, we can end up actually um, finding it hard to resist taking in all the extra work and letting that pile up on our desk in an effort to try and get ahead before we go on holidays. Well, can I just put it to you uh, in this way? You're going to then create an even longer buffer time between your work mind and your holiday mind. It's going to take you more and more time than necessary to decompress. So it probably seems like a really efficient thing to do to, to try and wrap up all your work and take on all the extra things so you don't fall behind later. But it's actually going to be not efficient for your vacation brain. So seriously, do some thinking about what work you can and cannot um, delegate to others in your team. Or maybe if you can't delegate, what can be delayed till you come back from your holiday time? Alrighty, number three, moving on. And this is a bit of a weird one, but bear with me. Number three is to embrace anxiety. So many of us have trouble getting to sleep, right? When we heading off towards holiday. So that can be because we said before we want to be diligent and, and not fall behind and want to wrap things up before we go. But that can sometimes affect how we sleep. And so what I want to say is this, just roll with it. So instead of getting angry with yourself and um, you know getting stressed about not being out of sleep, I actually do the opposite. I thank myself and then create a list as a result. Because essentially, in, in the positive sense, if the, your anxiety is, it's odd to say, but well-founded, it's actually a prompt to help you to get things done, right? So I would say rather than try and um, oppose your anxiety, why not partner with it? Why not thank yourself for the diligence that you know is being brought to brought to mind in the foreground of these things that you want to do, but rather than um, being stressed about it, just be proactive about it. So don't try and force yourself to fall asleep. It'll go the other way. So get up, write a list, keep a notepad beside your bed or something that's not necessarily an iPhone, something that doesn't create light into your eyes, and then just get it all out. Because then when you wake up in the morning, sure, you probably had less sleep, but you're going to wake up to this beautiful to-do list, and that's going to help you reduce the anxiety moving forward. Alrighty, number four is accept unfinished business. And you're probably thinking, man, this is really a really negative podcast episode moving from embracing anxiety to accepting unfinished business. But it's actually a pretty, it's a pretty discreet skill, actually. It's, a, it's sometimes in life, we're going to have to accept that there are just some things that cannot, absolutely cannot be completed. So whether it's... Um, because we're heading away on holidays or let's just say it's a project that never ever got finished because it was nothing in our power that we could have done. We just need to learn to accept that. So what I would say is let's maybe look at the first column of that and go, it's actually a very mature skill to know how to leave unfinished business at bay when we go away knowing we're coming back. Number five is create a return to work list. So this list 
is logically going to include things that you've written on some of your sleepless nights. But on top of those things, your list that you create here for your return to work should include some of those things that are from the unfinished um, projects that you've been working on that you couldn't delegate. So I think some of these um, things might include some routine items as well as some of the larger things that you knew you couldn't wrap up before you left. It's also a very cool idea to be able to let people know in your team or your office about that list because what you might find is they might want to add things to it too because they might be the people who have to deal with those items perhaps on your return and some of those projects might be time sensitive. So maybe include other people in the creation of that list. Alrighty, number six is simplify your workspace. So at any given time, we should make an effort to have a clean and an open workplace anyway. So your desk should be reasonably tidy anyway. Um, but especially ahead of time before you leave for your holiday, think about yourself coming back and think of ways you can reduce your sense of overwhelm. So a psychologist um, I read once who wrote an article about overwhelm said this. They said that on your desk, there shouldn't be more than three items because or three items that require action, because that would actually constitute uh, a sense of overwhelm. And, you know, for many of us, we're going to be going, well, that is definitely true for me, or others, you may not find that quite so overwhelming. So for myself, I kind of do a little bit of a cheat. I kind of hack it by keeping only a maximum of three piles of things that require action, but there might be a few things in each of those piles that made up of, of a few different action items. So in essence, number six is all about simplifying your workplace, visually speaking, so that when you come back, your overwhelm is not overloaded. All right, we've got to number seven, manage notifications. So we all live in this digital dependent age, and none of us would argue that sometimes we wish that wasn't the case, but it is. This is where we are. This is the reality. And so I put it to you this, is that we should be served by our digital devices and not enslaved by them. So what do I mean by that? I mean that the presence of the digital devices that you've got in your life, whether that be your phone or your tablet or your, your computer or your laptop, those items should be set up in such a way that they should be serving you and not you being enslaved to them. So how do we tell the difference? How do we know whether we're enslaved or being served by these devices? Well, I would suggest that you could probably already tell. I would imagine that you get a lot of notifications almost um, second by second about different things that are going on in the different apps that you might be running on your mobile. And so what I do is I try and safeguard any kind of downtime that I have on my vacations by making sure that any pertinent um, information does get to me, but anything that's not relevant doesn't. So that means I go through my settings on my mobile and my iPad, and I go through and turn off all the notifications for any apps that I know I don't have to deal with. So those apps might be for, say, uh, business suppliers or things to do uh, with budgeting or whatever it is. So those, obviously, I don't need while I'm holidaying. I don't want to be on the beach and then get an email about a delivery or a dispatch or something like that when I know it's going to happen and when we get back to work, we can attend to it then. Maybe not on the beach at the Bahamas. 
So make sure you go through and do a bit of an audit of notifications that you're allowing to get to your eyes. And now we come to number eight, which is a pretty cool one. It's this, enjoyment goals. So to be able to have a really satisfying holiday without any regret, we need to know that we did all the things that we really wanted to do. So set yourself some really fun and tangible holiday goals that help you to ensure that you've made lasting memories and that you've been able to create really good relaxing moments. So just because you're in a relaxed mode doesn't mean you shouldn't set some things to do. So I know that when I come back from a holiday and I have regret, um, I know that that's something that we could hopefully do without. And so I don't want to think, oh, you know, I had a good time, but I was so cruisy that I forgot to go and check out that amazing art gallery or go and check out that cool lookout. Because I guess if we don't have a bit of a plan, it can end up actually not being as fulfilling than it is if we have some cool things to check off our list. But I'm talking super fun and super casual. So for me, when I holiday, it might be something simple like some goals like go to the beach at least twice a day or read one whole book by the end of the holiday or, or maybe go to a super fancy restaurant with some family and friends at some point. You know, there's heaps of things that you can do to really make sure you maximize your holidays. But sometimes, you know, it's going to involve lists. Alrighty, number nine, it is this, determine the holiday type. So in keeping with this whole idea of being, uh, I guess, a little bit intentional about how we take holidays, I would um, suggest that you be clear on the type of holiday that you're taking. A super clear way of demonstrating this point is the trip that I took with my sister to Europe late last year. So if I were to have viewed my time over there, tripping around throughout Spain and um, in France and Dubai and, and Italy as a 100% relaxation trip, I would have been really, I guess, disappointed because that's not what happened. What did happen was amazing discovery and cultural insights and really great time with my sister. So if I was thinking in my mind, you know, I'm just going to have the best chill out time, then I would have set myself up for a very unfulfilling holiday. Sure, we got some moments of really nice relaxation, but the whole idea was, was discovery, which is refreshing in another sense. It's refreshing in the uh, mental, I guess, refresh, not the physical refresh. Because can I just tell you that we did a lot of, <laughs> a lot of walking and pulling luggage. So we had to be really clear um, as people who are going to be taking planned rest as to what category this rest is coming out of. So you can follow along on the blog as well um, to see these notes written up and you can download the PDF as well. But here are some categories that I use when I go away. So I either look at these categories and choose or blend some of them. Okay, so A, rest, B, adventure, C, discovery, and D, relational. So you can blend and pick and choose some of the ones which are going to be applicable for your trip. Okay, number 10. And in case you're thinking... There's been a lot of, you know, very kind of like planny, planny kind of approaches to this holiday. Guess what? There's one more. And that is this. Maximize your transit time. So if you live in Australia, you will definitely understand uh, what I mean when I say that everywhere requires a road trip. It's not like in Europe where you can be on a jet to France from London, say, within half hour. Just that's simply not how it works here. I live in Dubbo, which is about, let's say, five, five and a half hours west of the center of Sydney City. And so if you want to go to the beach from Dubbo, it probably takes maybe 
The closest beach would be, say, four and a half hours to Newcastle. And, you know, if you want to see the nearest mountains, you've got to go at least an hour away. So everywhere, and no doubt it's the same for you, is going to require some time in a car, train, or a plane. And if we're going to spend every minute of our holiday having a great time, then we need to plan for that transit time. So what do I do? What do I do to get... Um, you know, pass the time meaningfully. Well, I create music lists, um, playlists ahead of time. I download podcasts and maybe listen to some new podcasts as well. And I download them offline so that if I drive through patches of no cell coverage, it's not an issue. And um, a really cool thing is that I kind of really enjoy listening to podcasts because it reminds me of in the 80s and 90s when our family, when we took trips to Brisbane, mum and dad would always bring a cassette tape some of you probably have no idea what that even means a cassette tape of a texan speaker called zig ziglar and if you google zig ziglar you'll find amazing content so we used to have this yellow um, ford wagon with uh, brown vinyl seats that in the australian summer got very very hot and it was really great memories of of listening and learning we learned heaps listening to those tapes as we as we traveled up the coast so i encourage you to do the same take a really i guess um productive approach to the time that you feel otherwise you'd be unproductive Alrighty, now we come to the middle zone of maximizing our holidays and that is the period during holidays so what are some mental tactics and what are some approaches that we can implement to be able to really maximize the time on our holidays well i've got nine so just remember you can download uh, the, the ebook version of this podcast for free from nathanshooter.com and there'll also be a revised and upgraded edition available in the online store as well later on okay number one and that is this create moments of boredom and before you're thinking what you actually will be surprised about how awesome this one is so I'm not talking here in this one about meditation. That's very different to what I'm proposing here. So meditation, I guess, well, at least in my understanding of some meditation, is that you deliberately don't think about thoughts and you try to be neutral when it comes to ideas coming into your head. You try to just be still rather than um, let ideas take legs and run. And that's exactly what I'm proposing here. I, I would say that some of the best and most insightful ideas that I've had And some of the most simple, elegant solutions to complex problems have come when I've deliberately decided to create moments of boredom. So what I do is I just try and allow myself to just do what my grand auntie said, and that is this. Sometimes I sit and think, and sometimes I just sit. And creating moments of boredom, it's really great because they foster an environment for your, I guess, ideas to wander in and out, and you can unpack them if you want, or you can move on to new ideas or new thoughts that might come. And that's the whole idea. It's to be able to spontaneously sift through some of these ideas that perhaps may have been lying latent in the back of your mind. And in my experience, some of the really the most profound changes in my life have happened when I've allowed myself to pursue an idea just because in um, these moments of boredom, I didn't put judgment on the thoughts. Alrighty, so number two is this, create patterns. When we are at work and when we're, you know, getting kids ready for school or in the, you know, humdrum of everyday life, routines are there. And, you know, we all need routines. But what we sometimes have a tendency to do is to stop 
all routines when it comes to holidays. But I'd say that's almost unhelpful because I love the element of predictability to a certain point. So what I try and do is maybe instead of them calling them routines, because that reminds me of work, I call them patterns. So I teach myself and have taught myself to create patterns, which are just temporary ones while I'm having time off. So they're basically kind of like short-term routines that I set up for myself to try and free up some mental bandwidth. So when you free up some of the more transactional things, then you leave more room for the fun things. So what do I mean? Like, what's an example? Well, here's this one. So when I travel, I put my wallet, my keys, and my phone in the exact same place in relation to the front door at every hotel or every friend's place that I stay at. So that means that I don't have to think about that. It's an automatic transactional thing that I know that I've created as a, as a temporary pattern I'm just going to do. And I also do that with medium-sized things. So like bags and suitcases and and jackets, you know, I make sure that I put them in the same place relative to say the bed in the motel room, the same place every time. And even you probably think, you know, maybe this guy's a bit needy, but um, even my car, when, when I go to car parks at different motels or shopping centers, I try and find a similar pattern of leaving my car in a similar place. So of course, if you're kind of a, a person who's um, sneaky, sneaky, and you want to do more, um, you know, sophisticated security stuff, go ahead. But I'm, I'm talking about um, just doing some things that we can create as patterns to free us up to think about other things. Okay, number three, batch your work contact. So in the event that we have to respond to something for work, let's just face it, it does happen. Rather than responding to it immediately, why don't we batch it? So create a list, put it on a to-do um, task list, and then deal with it in, war, in one foul swoop. So perhaps you're a CEO listening to this who has high level responsibilities and you do have to deal with it there and then in the moment. In that case, absolutely do it. It's not worth the angst on your holiday time of not dealing with it. But what I'm suggesting is that if we don't have those time sensitive things, then let's batch them. Let's create a list. And then when we want to deal with it, in our mind, hop out of the vacation box and then put ourselves 100% in the focus of being in the work box deal with that list that we've developed and then do the opposite. Hop back out of that box 100% back into your your travel time, back into your relaxation time. It's a lot better than what I used to do, which is I kind of like dealt with things on the fly. But what I did was created this vagueness around how I was spending my time away. So I was kind of one foot in that camp and one foot in that camp. And that's not good because your brain can't really relax. Are you still with me? This one here is number four. It's called social boundaries. So when you go out on your vacation time, I would encourage you to think about from the outset whether you're going to be spending time with friends and family who might live in the area that you're holidaying. So we earlier spoke about being clear on the category of the kind of holidays we're taking, whether it's a discovery one or rest and relaxation or whether it's about uh, relational kind of approaches to holidays and this is all about the boundaries of social contact and we all need our privacy and our downtime but we might be traveling to an area where we know we have friends and family so what i do is whether i'm traveling alone or with uh, you know with friends and family i decide early on how much time am i going to be spending catching up with friends and family in addition to just spending downtime on my own 
I love all of my friends and family dearly, but I also do also need refreshment time. And then you can't always get that by being around everyone all the time. So with your friends and family, when you are traveling with them to an area where there's other friends and family, uh, I'd encourage you to draw a little bit of a box around your social time and just remember to, I guess, put that boundary in a conversation with the people you're traveling to say, hey, you know, I really want to spend this much time talking to and connecting with these guys, but then I'm back with you for the rest of it. I think you'll find it really handy. Number five, this is probably my favorite of all, and it's to capture mental triggers. So in addition to taking the regular swag of like photos and videos and that kind of thing, I would suggest to you that you take extra photos and videos for specific use as mental triggers. So what do I mean by mental triggers? For myself, I know that sometimes when I get back to work, I can readily forget those moments of relaxation and readily forget you know, the moments of wonder that I experienced when I was away. So what I do is I hack, I guess, my, my thoughts a bit and just take extra photos which just take the example of an iPhone. So I might take a beautiful photo of a landscape, but then I might take another photo, say in portrait mode and do a a cross section of say like the, the sea if if I'm taking a beach photo so that when I use it as the, as a background photo on my phone, I can still see the clock. So that one is a good practical example of how you can take specific photos for use as a mental trigger for use later. And another thing I've done is I take photos of things that I know that I can use on my desktop uh, wallpapers. And that's a really cool way of when you log in to go, ah, exhale, you know, like I know that I had a good time, but now I'm back to work. Number six, define your time. So this is closely related to the social boundaries point, but it's a little bit different in that it's about clarifying the people who you're with about how time is going to be spent. So let's just take my family, for example. When, when we were kids traveling to Brisbane, um, we found that for some reason our parents would just lock themselves up in their room for a couple of days at our cousin's place and we would be thoroughly bored. We, we couldn't go to a shopping center or we didn't go to the beach. And it was until we figured it out, like mum and dad said to us, hey, we are just in need of one or two days essentially to buffer. They didn't use those words, but basically just to transition our brain from being at work to being on holidays. And we need to rest. We need to just allocate some time to do that. And then we can join you in the fun and the hustle and bustle of going to shopping centers or to the beach or theme parks, whatever it is. So be very clear uh, with those you're traveling with about how time might be spent. And I know you'll be really glad that you had those conversations. So it'll mean that you'll have less vagueness and less anxiety. And I guess people are second guessing each other. Like, why is it that we never do anything on the first day when we arrive somewhere? Or why don't we start out early in the mornings and you miss out on things? Little issues or or even disagreements can happen because we haven't talked about how we're going to be spending time. And time is the big thing that we look forward to when we go on a break. Hey, thanks for joining me on part one of this two-part series. So to continue listening, head over to the next episode and we'll keep going from there.